Well, friends, as we come to share the word today, let us pray. And we're reminded of Jesus who said, So then anyone who hears these words of mine and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. We thank you, Lord, that your word is not shifting sands. We live in this post-modernism society where they say nothing is absolute. As Christians, we say to that, no. Your word is absolute. Your word is a rock for our lives. So we pray as we look at these words of Jesus today. You'll teach us about your word, strengthen our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you recognise this character? That's Harold Bishop from the series Neighbours. Now, I haven't seen Neighbours for many a year. I believe it's just about to finish or just finished. Is it finished? 28th is going to finish. There you go. Well, I haven't seen it for many a year. But when we had teenage girls, often Neighbours would, would, would be on. Sometimes I would watch it. I remember one particular episode I watched was about Harold and his euphonium, which is that brass instrument which he's holding. And uh, there must have been a neighbour in the street who had been in prison at some time because he was sharing with a neighbour that he would like to get lessons to learn to play the brass better. And this fellow said, oh, I know a fellow from prison. He can teach you. He was really good. So Harold reluctantly agrees for this fellow to come and teach him. He arrives about a week, week, week later. He comes into his house and they're having the lesson. And during the lesson, Harold is very unsettled. He's very disturbed. And finally he says, sorry, we have to stop. Look, I just have to know what you did. What was your crime that you were in prison? And the first fellow said, didn't Joe tell you I was the chaplain? <laughs> Harold, Harold, under his breath, said, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Harold had fallen into the trap that we all fall into. We can be all too quick to judge others. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Words of Jesus taken from Matthew 7, we just heard read. Part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we continue our series on Jesus' greatest hits, where we focus on some of the famous te teachings of Jesus. And this week we look at Jesus' words from Matthew 7 on the theme of judging others. The beginning of Matthew 7 records five verses on this theme. And Jesus' advice on this theme of judging others can be summed up with just one word. Don't. Don't do it. Jesus says, do not judge. In the first two, two verses of um, of Jesus' teaching are the following. Do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So Jesus was saying to us that your judgment of others will work like a mirror being held up in front of you. The way you judge others will be used against you. If it were a question... It's like Jesus was, was asking us, how would you like to be judged the same way you judge others? How's that for a question? How would you like to be judged in the same way that you judge others? And if I could summarise my message for you this morning on this theme of judging others, it would be, 
There is only one judge and we are not him. There's something to take home. If you don't take home anything else, take home that one. There is only one judge and we are not him. And then as Jesus continues his teaching in Matthew 7, he paints for us this very comical picture, beginning at verse 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will, you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. When we think about it, it's a very humorous scene. This fellow with this plank in his eye saying, oh, hang on there, buddy, I think I see a speck in your eye, just want to take it out. It's a humorous scene, it's a ridiculous scene, and yet the truth is it is a scene that is played out in our eyes, in our lives, all too often. With all of our faults, we seem all too ready to point out the faults in others. With all of our faults, we stand too ready to judge the faults of others. With all of our sin, we stand too ready to judge the sin of others. With all of our sin, we stand too ready to judge the sin of others. Now this is illustrated for us in the biblical story from John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. The story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And it's interesting, it tells us she's caught in the very act of adultery, like she was seized and taken from the adultery bed. Who knows what, what she was wearing if she was wearing anything. And, you know, the strange thing is, I always thought it took two people to, to commit adultery, and yet the man we hear nothing about. This woman is dragged out on the street where Jesus is, and the religious leaders and the Pharisees throw her down at Jesus' feet, and they say, you know the law of Moses. The law of Moses says that the adulterer has to be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? text tells us Jesus knelt down and wrote something in the sand. We don't know what. And then he stood up and he said, the one among you who has committed no sin can throw the first stone. And beginning at the eldest, one by one they left. Now there is no doubt that this woman was guilty. She had been caught in the very act of adultery. She had greatly sinned, but did that give others the right to accuse and judge her? There is only one judge and we are not him. In fact, the woman was brought before Jesus Christ, the only person in the world who had the right to judge her. But did he? He said to the woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. So let's get this straight. There is only one person in all of human history who had the right to judge others because he was without sin. He didn't have a plank in his eye. He didn't even have a speck in his eye. Only one person with a right to judge others and yet he chose not to do it. This truth is brought out in John 3, verse 17. 
God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came not to judge, but to save. What does that say to the rest of us? But there is something in our human nature that makes us all too ready to judge others. We can be all too ready to judge the sin of others. How could they do such a terrible thing? Or we can be all too ready to judge the character of others, just like Harold Bishop. They were in prison, oh, therefore they must be a terrible person. Or just by the way they dress, oh, I know what they're like. Or just by the way they look, I don't like the look of them. No. Or for us Christians, we can be all too ready to judge the spirituality of others. Oh, I don't think they're a very good Christian. Or, I don't think they're very alive in their faith. Or, oh, they don't do the things a good Christian should do. To us Christians also, we can take it to the point where we can even judge the salvation of others, which is really God's realm. What they believe is not the same as me, therefore I don't think they're saved. Or their view of the revelation of John is different than mine. No, I don't think they're saved. Or they don't belong to my branch of the church. Therefore they're definitely not saved. And to all of this, Jesus' words are, do not judge. The truth of the matter is, there is only one judge and we are not him. So how do we stop it? How do we become obedient to Jesus and become non-judgmental rather than falling into judgmentalism? Well, I believe the answer is found in that humorous illustration of Jesus we read earlier. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? In short, we become less judgmental of the sin of others when we realise that we too are sinners. A long time ago now, when I was in my late 20s, I went through a very dark time. The lowest time of my life. I had been to Bible college, I'd started ministry in my first church and I went through separation and divorce, which was accompanied with great sin. A low time. Maybe like the story of the prodigal son, I turned my back on God, turned away from God and finished up feeding the pigs. But like the prodigal son, I came to my senses and thought, well, my only hope is to turn back to God. And there, probably for the first time in my life, I discovered truly the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, that, that although we sin greatly and we deserve punishment, God gives us forgiveness. You see, up until then, I lived a pretty good life. I was 11 years old when I confessed my faith. And I was baptised, I was involved in the Brighton Church Youth Group. I went to Bible college, I became a minister. I lived a pretty good life and then it all fell apart. I came through this very low time of my life with the knowledge of three overwhelming things. First one is I'm a sinner. 
Friends, I am a sinner. Second thing, how great is the grace of God that has forgiven my sin. And the third thing, who am I to judge? I've got a log in my own eye. How can I point out the speck in someone else's eye? Now the Apostle Paul was also greatly affected by the grace of God shown to him. In his letter to the young man Timothy, a friend of ours, in the first chapter, beginning at verse 12, Paul wrote these words. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Before Paul, then known as Saul, met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he was a judgmental Pharisee. He vehemently opposed those who were followers of Jesus. He judged Christians to be perverse in their beliefs. He judged this Jesus of Nazareth to be a blasphemer and deserving of his crucifixion. Acts chapter 7 describes for us the martyrdom of Stephen, one of Jesus' devout followers. Stephen was stoned to death by an angry mob of Jews who judged him to be a blasphemer. And the scripture tells us that those who were stoning Stephen laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul and goes on to tell us Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul was there as they stoned him saying, give him one for me. In Acts 22, Paul writes, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. No wonder Paul describes himself as the worst of sinners. When Paul found faith in the Lord Jesus, he learnt the lesson about judging others. Who was he to judge? He considered himself to be the worst of sinners. And he was saved by grace. You see, it's the old thing. <laughs> Every time you point the finger at someone, three fingers are pointing back at us. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? There is only one judge and we are not him. For we are all sinners Saved by grace.